Welcome back, Bulls Nation, to another episode of the Nothing But Bull Podcast. I'm your host, Derek, and as always, I'm here with my main man, Justin. Just B, what's going on? Nothing much. I'm cool. Um, I don't know about Melissa. It looks like it's kind of hot where she is. She's <laughs> feeling the heat. You all right, Melissa? <laughs> Are you muted? <laughs> Hey guys, I have no idea what Justin's talking about, but <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not hot where I'm at. I'm in Chicago. It's definitely cold outside. Uh, <laughs> but I'm happy to be back <laughs> in this cold weather. <laughs> of course, we have Melissa, who is featured in the new Jordan brand ad for their women's collective class of 2023. How was that experience, Melissa? Oh, it was cool. It was really fun. Um, <clears throat> The word is official now. We went to, they sent us to Salt Lake City for All-Star Weekend. Um, We went on a retreat. Uh, it was really nice. We got to hang out with some like guest speakers, some very empowering women. Um, they just they just poured into us and then we had a photo shoot which is really cool so those photos just dropped a couple of days ago but um, it was really it was just really nice it, the whole retreat was just them pouring into us and empowering us and um, we were just collaborating on what's to come for the year so big big blessing really excited for what's to come this year so be on the lookout <laughs> um, we did our I, I got to do my first activation. So um, all of the girls had an activation to do for Women's History Month. So for this one, I got to partner up with two of my girls. There's four of us total in Chicago. Um, we have Chelsea, Ayana, and Astro. So I, I partnered with Ayana, AKA Yaya, and Astro for this one. We did a uh, youth clinic for, um, it was 12 girls. It was really cool. Shout out to Tim because he did an intro for the girls. Tim Seclair of the Bulls, the PA announcer. I'm sure everybody knows, but um, that was really nice. We had it tailored for the girls. A very personable intro. So cool. They were so excited. Um, they played basketball, of course. Um, we had them do an affirmation station, which was really cool. We got them planters, um, basketball planters. With the affirmation station was just kind of the same thing that we experienced at the retreat passed it on to them, got to do their affirmations, got to pour into them, had them speaking really great things about themselves um, into their mirrors. And, you know, the metaphor with the planter and them, you have to water yourself every day for the plant to be great, just like these girls have to. You have to be very mindful of how you speak to yourself. Um, <clears throat> we had them, Yaya did a hair braiding station, which is really, they got to feel really great. They got their hair done. They all look so cute. They were so excited. And Astro, she's a very popular nail artist. So Astro did um, did their nails. They, they were just really, it was really great to watch them just glow up. They were all so thrilled. And of course, seeing them play basketball, seeing them in their element, it was just beautiful to watch. Then we had guest, guest speakers too. We had um, a former Chicago Sky player who has all of the Olympic medals. Um, Lene Harper, she's so dope. She was very inspiring. And Shanae Crow, Shani Crow, my bad. Shani Crow, she is a just a multifaceted artist. She's amazing. She got to speak to the girls too. 
Um, she got to speak to the girls. Uh, they both were very inspiring. So um, all in all, we got really great feedback. The girls left feeling really great about themselves and just a really great experience. So that's how that went. That's cool. Did you all have like any um, like similar stories with how you all were approached to appear and add and just come together? Um, I think most of us just they just found us on social media mostly and um some some were referred I think and some were found on social media so they just reached out to us all the same either via DM or email and just spoke to us about the, what the program would be like and if we would be interested and we went from there it was last year I think there were don't quote me on this but I think there were 33 girls last year so this year it was 11 there's Missy. OMG. <laughs> <laughs> was there like a specific um, moment that that you were like the most excited about or like um, the proudest moment that you had while you were there? In Salt Lake, um, we did a clinic. They put us in charge of a clinic too in Salt Lake. Um, that was probably it for me too. It's It was pretty similar. We did something similar actually <clears throat> it was also we also did affirmations with them got to see them play basketball uh isabel harrison was there too so she it was really her clinic her basketball clinic isabel harrison of the sky as of this year shout out her so we got to spend some time with these girls they got to do some drills as well see very similar concept just being able to reach these girls on a different level because i know growing up for myself, I didn't really have, I know that none of us really had that many types of resources that were really pouring into us, especially as girls in sports. <clears throat> I didn't have anything to look up to in that realm. I mean, I had all of our, I had everybody in the NBA, of course, but you know, that we didn't really grow up on the WNBA like in that capacity. So for me, that was really important. Um, having a program for mentors to really pour into you as young girls that that's different for me <clears throat> so it was nice to be able to be a part of that and I think that's super important like I didn't learn a lot of these like self-love things and like affirmations and all that kind of stuff until I was much older it was a very myself I was I was very shy I was very to myself I put a lot of pressure on myself of a very un, at a very young age um, to perform and that's no fault to anybody, but um, I think things like this at a young age make a big difference in in how you're going to be formed as a human. Um, I have very specific memories of certain coaches and, of course, family and teachers that that did play a major role in shaping your um, shaping your identity, shaping what you want to be, and knowing what your limits are. If you do think you're limitless or not, and I think again, these programs are like are super important and um to me that's just very impactful anything involving the youth anything pouring into the youth they get so they have so much pressure from like every angle especially in the day this day and age of social media and stuff like that too they're just constantly looking at things and comparing themselves to other people and it's hard for them to really come into their own on their own so that's what i'm most proud about for sure. That's nice. Loving the youth. Same. Good deal. But it, it 
your most exciting moment wasn't the spiritual bonding with the horse. <laughs> I'm very proud that I didn't pass out <laughs> because uh, I'm sure no, why would anybody know this? But I, I had an experience with horses when I was a, a wee one, I was a tot and I, I am deathly allergic to horses. I never tried to be around a horse since then, but um, when I was a kid, I went, I tried to do this horseback riding thing and uh wasn't good for me. <laughs> My eyes like blew up like that Martin, that Martin episode. That was me. <laughs> I hope you guys got that reference, but um, I decided to try it again. They gave us some choices. So it was either spiritual bonding with horses, um, gosh, horseback riding or self making and I chose I actually chose horseback riding but then um it was like a first and second option so the second option was spiritual bonding with the horses and actually it was actually pretty cool I'm not gonna lie and uh, I am proud that I didn't die that's what I'm most, <laughs> I'm most proud of that <laughs> but like, horse did, you, did you take some Benadryl before you went I this did time? it I did it so I, I was like man if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go out I want to go out with a bang I want to make sure I remember this experience before anything. I don't want to be drowsy. Well, how did you? How did you know you wouldn't have an allergic reaction? I didn't. That's a, you know, this big old risk taker here. I didn't tell. I didn't even tell anybody. I told my parents before I left, and they had like an aneurysm. The both of them like, what are you doing? You need to make sure that they know. And I'm like, I'll be fine. So I made sure that I tried to keep as far away as possible from the horse. But um, there are photos that were out. I wasn't as far as I thought I was. You were <laughs> definitely not far at all. <laughs> when in Rome, right? So then I had to make sure to, I took a shower right after, like they had a little, um, they had like some showers there and I, I had to just run and go take a shower right after to make sure I was still existing after that. <laughs> so <laughs> horses are very spiritual animals. That is like, no cap like they really are spiritual animals so that was actually really cool they they um they imitate and adjust to your energy not even playing like they went around in a circle and they kind of just mimic how you're feeling the horse like put its head on my shoulder his the horse's name was spirit spirit was like all up in my grill like but uh it was cool. It was a really good experience. I uh, I 10 out of 10 would recommend if you ever have an option to spiritually bond with a horse. <laughs> I recommend. Spiritually bond with a horse. I, you know, I took Keisha horseback riding on um, one of our anniversaries and I'm definitely afraid of horses. And I get on there and the person hands Keisha her horse. The horse's name was Lucky. So, of course, my horse's name was Rebel. Um, but fortunately enough, it was a very cool moment. We did get a chance to like, like it was very peaceful, you know, with riding on them and just being around them in general. And I, I just recently learned that uh, they actually have like therapies involving horses. So that's a very cool and unique experience that you had. Um, but with putting on such an event, I'd imagine there's got to be a lot of challenges that present themselves. Um, when you're trying to collaborate with other people, uh, was there anything in particular when you, when all was said and done that you learned about yourself that you didn't know beforehand? Um, <clears throat> well, working with that, the team, the two girls, 
that was back here at home. Uh, that was great. It was amazing. Actually, I think we actually worked really great together as a team. We all have different skill sets. Um, we all come to the table with very, very different, very different things, um, different interests. So I think we worked together really great, actually. And I'm not gonna lie, I was pretty impressed with myself. <laughs> if if it's learning anything, I was. I didn't think that I could do. I would have never imagined that I could do what transpired um so yes I do think could things have been better of course all things could have always been better but um we could have worked on timing on one of the one of the exercises a little bit better but uh, honestly I I'm pretty happy with how everything turned out I didn't think I didn't think I could do what I could do with the help of these girls so I overall was pretty pleased just like you didn't think you could do this podcast, but we broke you in. <laughs> Thanks. I got food poisoning. From Stacy. <laughs> Game five. Ninety-seven finals. Food poisoning. So you know what you ate? Know. That. You remember what you ate that caused this pop I up? Had, I had a quinoa salad. Go figure. <laughs> That's what I get for trying to eat healthy. Yeah. Healthy stuff will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> should have had a steak. Nobody gets sick eating steak. I should have had a burger. I should have had nachos. I could have had tacos. But no, I chose a quinoa salad. The horse didn't take me out. It was the, <laughs> it was the quinoa salad. <laughs> and I'm here to tell about it. I'm glad you're still here. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and I guess moving on to the Bulls, who blew out the Hornets last night, uh, won by 30 points. We actually got to see Marco Simonovich played, Damon Terry played, Terry Taylor and Carly Jones was thrown out there too. <laughs> Mike. That's never happened like this whole season. <laughs> so just seeing the young guys go out there and actually get to play Carly scoreless again. <laughs> but shout out I, I, wasn't he like the top isn't he the top scorer in the G League though? He's the top scorer in the G League. But as I've said before, <laughs> it's the G League. <laughs> He has not proven me wrong at the NBA level yet. <laughs> so, come on, Derek, give that man his flowers. Come on, man. <laughs> he has not scored in either of the two. <laughs> Carly, if you'd like to clap back, please come on the podcast. <laughs> you are more than welcome to tell me how you can get a bucket. But until you do get a bucket in a NBA game, I'm going to continue <laughs> calling you out for not being able to score. And he only took one shot, I think, but still. All right, but, like, seriously, like, has, has Karlik, like, played the equivalent of even a quarter of basketball in the NBA? 
I don't even know how 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 much has he actually played less than I don't know. I want to say he he played like a, a, a at least minutes. a quarter that first time where he took four shots and didn't make anything and went to the foul line and misspoke. <laughs> so <laughs> I understand Geely. He he was their top scorer. But until he proves me wrong at the NBA level, <laughs> I'm going to keep calling you out, Carly. Derek, that man has played 28 show. minutes. 28, 28 minutes. minutes. That's, what do you want from him? It's 28 to minutes. To make a shot. <laughs> that's what I want I guess from him. I set myself up for that one. Make one shot. Are you looking at his stats right now, Jess? Yeah. Does he have like, – what kind of stats does he have? Does he have anything like assists, rebounds, anything? Uh, Let me see here. He has half an assist, no half blocks, an assist? no steal. He has 0.5 defensive rebounds. I'm just talking about getting at his average. But like in games, I'd have to go to the actual games that he's been in. Let me see here. You can't call that man out for that. Yes, I can, and I did it. <laughs> 28 minutes. Oh, Carly, come defend yourself, man. <laughs> Clipping this. Clipping this and posting it on Twitter. Oh, man. <laughs> Terrible, Derek. Justin hey, is still is, searching. <laughs> that is impressive, though, for the G League. Come on. For the G yeah, League. He's a G great League. G League player. I <laughs> My criticism was NBA level. I think he's going to get picked up next year. I think he'll make some money on another team. Like, seriously. Like, because when you think about, there's, like, looking at just, like, with Pat's situation. Pat, who has, like, the physical tools to do whatever he needs to do on that basketball court, has taken a backseat to players on this team for whatever reason. So, when you're talking about, like, coming in there and – you know, trying to make some kind of a name for yourself or trying to, like, just incorporate your style of play into the game is not necessarily an easy, easy thing to do, especially when you have so many other guys, you know, who are ahead of you. And you don't know when you're going to be, you know, allowed to play in the game. You don't know when you're going to be sent back down to the G League. So we'll, we'll, we'll give him a pass. He was nah, saying... He was converted into a full NBA contract. I'm not giving him a pass. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> He's not yeah. a G League player anymore. He's on the actual team. Uh, I can't with you on this, Derek. I just can't. <laughs> I don't know if he'll be on the actual team next game. Because the new CBA agreement, the the two way player, we you can get you're allowed two two way players, and now I think next year it starts at you're allowed three. So I'm not sure he'll get an actual NBA contract next year, but he may be back as a two way player, and then he can tear up the G League again. 
Body blow, body blow, body blow. I mean, yeah. when we watched him in summer league, I, I don't know about you, Justin, but me and Melissa were like, who is this guy? He He's terrible. <laughs> it's like if we had an actual point guard in summer league, we would have done better. So for him okay. to go on and lead the G League in scoring, that, that that is a big accomplishment. Shout out to him for that. But at NBA level, I stand by what I said. In the summer league, just about everybody on the Bulls roster in the summer league looked terrible. Um, and even like on during like the Windy City game, like those first couple of games were brutal. Like I started to question everybody who was on that team. Um, I don't want to say, like, I necessarily, like, questioned, like, Dalen because I knew what he was capable of. But I did have, like, some moments where I was like, hmm. But, yeah, I mean, give a lot of credit to him for, like, turning his game around because, like, it's a far cry from what we saw at the very beginning of the summer. And, you know, for, for guys, it just takes – it can take players a little bit of time. Um, we saw – and I just like just transitioning to Kobe, we saw earlier on some very, very good games from him in his young career. And as things were progressing, it got to that point where a lot of us were like, how much can we get for Kobe right now? Like, <laughs> you know, any draft picks or whatever. So like it, everything, like, like what, Stacy was pointing out with Adam, like you don't necessarily want to give up on young talent so easily. Um, so that's all my point with Carly. Like I just only it's only been with the team for like less than a year, so I'm not gonna like clown him or anything like that. So no, I think I he's am. definitely. I think he's definitely got room to improve for sure. I mean, that's yeah, that's an impressive stat, even if it's for the G League. I think once he'll have more playing time with a team. <coughs> He'll, he'll definitely develop, but <laughs> Derek said. If he gets time with a team. <laughs> Savage. Look at Marco. We've had him for three years. He was great in Summer League. He used to look great like the whole season with Windy City. Throw him out there last night and he hike, he did nothing. Like nothing. He was just out there getting cardio. <laughs> He's not an NBA level player. <laughs> I think Marco's a little bit different. Like, you know, I Marco is like a, is an energy player. And I'm glad he was able to get out there and like just run around. <laughs> you know, just let that's out. all he did. <laughs> That's all he did. I think he said one good screen. <laughs> I'm saying, like, just let me finish. Like, because like I looked at Marco, and when I was looking at the game, I felt like Marco was that kid in school that was just waiting for recess, you know, to, so he could get some energy out of his system. He's just running around. You don't know what he's doing. He's just like so happy to be outside. He's just running around. I don't know if Marco necessarily has a skill set that can work in the NBA, but from what we've seen with Carleek, shooting is a skill. Like the, he can shoot. Um, for for like, 
I know we haven't seen it yet on the NBA court, but from what we were seeing in the in the G League, uh, we we do see that he can knock down shots. And like, if you find somebody like that, you're it's worth it if they're in your system, and you don't have to look outside for more shooting help. It is worth it to kind of explore and try to use your coaching staff to try to upbuild this guy who has put in a ton of work from where he was in the summer to what he was doing in the G League. That's why I'll say, like, I'm not ready to just say, Carleek, you know, you're, you're trash, you don't know how to play. Like, he, he showed us a skill set that is something that could transfer over into the NBA. That's all I'm saying. So I'm, no, I'm not that. You know who else showed us that and won MVP in the G League? Antonio Blakely. Where is he now? <laughs> I thought you were going to bring he, up He now. could score. Yeah, but Blakely is actually doing well overseas. Like a lot of overseas, like, not yeah, NBA level. We go over this kind of stuff and like people, people just like want to gloss over the importance of having coaches who are going to develop players. Like, a lot of people, I'll give you a perfect example. Malik Monk. When Malik Monk came into the league, there was a lot of people who were like, why Why are you taking this kid? Like, why are you taking him? And like, uh, I think it was for, for Charlotte. Like, what, this kid, you know, he can't do whatever. He was a teammate of Antonio Blakeney's when they were at LSU. A lot of people were out on Malik Monk. You go years and years and years, and what is he doing with the Sacramento Kings right now. He's like a pivotal piece of them moving forward. The same thing with campaign. And I'm not saying like, oh, like we should have like kept campaign or we even should have kept Antonio Blakeney. What I am saying is that when you do have certain players who do have a skill set that necessarily works in today's NBA, you should not be so, you know, willing to just discard them, cultivate them, build them up. Teaching is important as an NBA head coach, and we see it from a lot of coaches around the league, especially what's happening in New York with Tom Thibodeau. Teaching is important. So that's why I'm saying, like, when you have these young guys and they don't necessarily work out initially, you got to be careful about saying, like, oh, this person is this. They're not going to turn into whatever. So that's all that's all I'm going to say on this soapbox. I've challenged Carly to prove me wrong. And like I said, hasn't happened yet. You want to come on and defend yourself? You're more than welcome to join the podcast. But I'm going to continue to call him out until he scores a basket in the NBA. Talk about Blakely's doing good in overseas. Hassan Whiteside looks like Shaq in his prime over in Puerto Rico. I don't (laughs) care about overseas. This dude had like 53 points of like 30 some rebounds over in Puerto Rico. He's not doing that in the NBA. He's out of the NBA because nobody valued him after like his first good season and then he just dropped off. If you're not but, NBA yeah. level talent, you're not NBA level talent. Coaching okay, little, little, matters. Development definitely matters. And you also have to fit in the system of whatever team you're you're gonna be in. But yes, coaching definitely matters. But at what point do you have to take initiative for yourself and just work on your craft and just do what you have to do? Because we talked a lot differently about Kobe this year in the very beginning of the season. I was on the, I 
I was very indifferent about him. Not going to lie in the very, in in the beginning of the season, after a few games, I'm like, you know, I would like to keep him, but honestly, if we let go of him, I wouldn't be upset. I would like to see him develop, but whatever happens happens. But now, like now, no, towards the end of the season, man, Kobe's been a, a very valuable piece for us. He has really developed his game. And if we're having the same conversation about like the coaching staff, um, it's the same coach from the beginning of the season since last year up until now, at what point are you going to take your initiative as a professional player to up your game? So yes, coaching definitely matters, but at the same time, you're a professional. Like this is what you've been training for your whole life. This is in most cases, this is a dream for people that are in the NBA. Like you got to work at it, you know? Of course it'll Yo, no. great coach, I, but I, I definitely understand that. You like you do have to put in the work. But a lot of times what gets overlooked like cuz I don't know if people like people who look at these games and look at these coaches I don't know if a lot of, a lot of people have experience actually having trained somebody. There's a lot of people who do different things, professions, arts, whatever, who come in and they are very talented. But what they lack is an understanding of the type of commitment and the type of the type of sacrifice that you have to do to step out of your comfort zone. If there's not been somebody who necessarily gives you the guidance and tells you, "No, look, this is what you need to specifically do to grow as a player. You can find yourself like casting a player to the side and totally like stopping the potential for their growth that could have manifested itself if that coach or that trainer or somebody had taken it upon themselves to explicitly tell them, this is how you need to work in order to maximize yourself as a player. You can be one of the most gifted athletes that you want to, but if no one, if you don't have that understanding of where you need to get to, then all is going to be lost. You're never going to realize what you can become. And I'm glad you mentioned that thing with Hassan Whiteside, uh, Derek, because Hassan Whiteside had a lot of different traits, even coming out of college. But I remember when he played with with the heat and they were talking about his background the coaches who coached him in college were like yeah he has this background he has this amount of talent but with hassan whiteside it was a matter of work ethic work ethic is the nba and doing what he is capable of doing with some of these other young players though not necessarily a matter of work ethic you are going down the wrong path and there's nobody who's providing that guidance for you, then you can really stout a player, especially a young player's growth in the league. That's all I'm saying. I feel you. I understand. But at the same time, you got to have a winner's mentality. Score a bucket, Carly. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think I'm not, both things can be true. I do think that, he will develop a better player when given more opportunity. But at the same time, I also don't, I don't believe, I don't buy into just giving people excuses either because the coaching staff isn't doing what they're supposed to do at this level. So I think, I mean, two things can be true. I do believe that he, I don't think he's trash. I don't think he's garbage. (laughs) Um, I do think he will get better, but, but I also don't want to blame it on the coaching staff either. Would it help? Of course it would help to be developed in a certain way, but I do think that 
a professional at any level that wants to compete has to take it into their own hands, just like Kobe did, just like Kobe asked for the tapes because he knew he wanted to improve on his defense. He knew he wanted to improve on his handles and he actively sought out tapes to improve those things. He did that on his own will and accord. And he did that for himself. So that's where I'm at. (laughs) We talked a lot. No, I get you. I get you. And I, I definitely see both sides of it. But like I was telling somebody before, like, okay, we live in like the AAU culture. A lot of those team, those guys are not getting the type of coaching that they need to have. We also live in the one and done culture. A lot of those guys like practices in college are more limited. Access to players are more limited. So even if you necessarily have a good coach, are you getting that preparation that you need to be successful at this particular level? Because at this level, a lot of people are putting in the work. A lot of people have had good coaching, you know, throughout their careers. But that's why I guess it's just from like my background as a teacher and seeing and being around teachers who have no business being anywhere close to students who shape their, their thinking as opposed to being around some of the most excellent, well-qualified teachers that you want to come across. If you don't have that right person in place to lead your team, particularly your young, um, your young, you know, talent that's on your roster, you can be setting yourself back. And I say this to mention that even with Dale and Terry, I'm excited about Dale and Terry because every single time that he is on the court, he just makes some type of winning play, you know, something where you can like hang your hat on and like, oh, that's an advanced move. But like Dalen was taken like what 18th in last year's draft. There's like 11 other players who were drafted ahead of him that have been able to carve out significant roles on their team and has helped their team win on their their prospective team. So like when you don't have that person who is guiding a player and nurturing them and everything, it can really really um, make that player take a step back. Dalen almost caught a body last night. <laughs> if that dunk would have went down, that would have been one of the highlights of the year. Dalen doesn't need... <coughs> he All he needs is Billy to put him out there. That's all he needs because Damar has done all the other stuff with Dalen because Billy Billy's not developing anybody. So just just give Dalen time. Harleek? <laughs> let let him go back to the G League, man. He's leading Good. scorer. Like <laughs> I'm going to keep messing with Harleek. <laughs> you you like want that Kobe. man to overcome overcome eight eight guards that we have on this team. <laughs> Be like Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I agree with Melissa, like, beginning of the year, you're like, can we get anything for Kobe? <laughs> now you're like, we got to re-sign him. And the Bulls front office has decisions to make because are you, you got to re-sign Kobe, but what are you going to do with Io? And honestly, right now, I'd re-sign Kobe over Io. Yeah. Is it a sophomore slump? Or do you think just 
What but do you guys think? This is more like he hit the rookie wall and went straight into the slump because he's been all downhill since last year. You can attribute it to that. I mean, I don't know. It took me just a maybe like a two weeks to realize, hey, yeah, I know he's not a point guard. Like we we need to like get him going downhill. Maybe like you put him in some pick and roll actions with Booch. Um but Kobe, like, I think Kobe scored, like, 11 points last night. And I was looking at uh, Will Gottlieb, who I follow on Twitter. He was, like, just listing, like, the assists that Kobe had his last five games. It was 9, 9, 5, 6, and 9. That's an incredible amount of assists, considering that Kobe is coming off the bench and still playing less minutes than I feel like he should be playing. But, like, that... That game last night with Kobe was just the highlight reel of everything that I like about what Kobe is doing this year, uh, particularly recently. But we talked about this back in January. We had Kobe in the ball pit, you know, and we were talking about, like, you just might as well just start Kobe. But I love the fact of, like, he is recognizing, just like I think it's obvious, that when him – um, Pat and Levine are in the game. Can't double team all of us. And he's using like just sound basketball IQ to find the open man, like just making tremendous decisions with that. In the pick and roll game, he's got gotten better at like recognizing with getting uh, defenders to get on his hip. And he's, you know, he, we talked about this before where he's shooting a high percentage enough finishing at the rim so and defenders know that as well so it's like you got to pick your poison am i going to stop kobe with his quickness coming off of that screen and stopping him from finishing at the rim or am i going to stop booch and there was like two or three passes that were just dime passes to booch in the post allow booch to finish right in the paint easy buckets and then another thing defensively that i liked about kobe was he couldn't make it. There was like one of the players, I forget who was lighting us up like in that game. So there was like one, it was book night, I think. But he kept getting caught on the screen. And instead of him trying to fight through the screen, which he wasn't successful in, he just kept going underneath and underneath and underneath. And the guy tried screening him like three times on in within one possession. And it eventually led to. Um, was it the book night or one of the other players taking a contested two? Teams don't want to shoot contested twos. They prefer to be able to shoot the threes, but because of the positioning that he had with his defender, he could have easily just gotten out and contested the shot. There's a lot of smarts that are going on with Kobe's uh, game understanding from the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And I really don't think that the Bulls, not having Lonzo Ball, to look into the future to count on. I don't think the Bulls can afford to lose it. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I I could easily see him being the starting point guard of, at the start of next year, unless you know they they want to keep Pat and Billy just decides that he'd rather have a veteran point guard run the team. Which is a Billy decision. 
But yeah, I, Hobie is proved like you put him out there with Zach and P. Will and pretty much anybody you put Kobe out there with, he's making good things happen. He's increased yeah, his confidence. I think he's all, he's always had that confidence, and it was kind of blind confidence last year in the beginning of this season, but now he has the skill set to match. So, yeah, I, I can see that happening too, him being starting point next year. It's been great to yeah, see him develop. He, he unlocks so much stuff for this Bulls offense that makes Billy's way of calling the game, the offensive sets, work. And as much as people like lament Pat not grabbing enough rebounds or, you know, Pat not going aggressively to the basket, well, one of the things that Kobe being out there does it is it opens up extra shot attempts, wide open shot attempts for Pat. And no matter what people might want to say about Pat defensively or rebound like I mean defensively he's been pretty solid even though he's been missing out on certain rotation and not understanding when he has to blitz um, the player or when he needs to sag off but the thing is is that they with Kobe out there you're actually able to hone in on something that Pat has been excellent at throughout the year his three-point shooting and we we want them to shoot three-pointers but we want the right people to be shooting the three-pointers, not Derek Jones Jr. or, you know, Io shooting those three-pointers. But when Kobe's coming off a screen, you got to account for Kobe, you got to account for Levine, you got to account for Pat. We get those guys in catch-and-shoot situations. It's going to be lights out for this team, as long as the coaching staff recognizes it. I do not mind Derrick Jones Jr. taking corner threes because more times than that, he makes them. I cannot say the same for Io. <laughs> like, I'm like, dude, you're wide open in the corner. <laughs> He'll knock them down here and there, but for the most part, you kind of know that Io's going to brick that shot. Uh, I'd I'd much rather Derrick Jones Jr. take it than Io. Yeah, I think with what goes on with this team and the way, excuse me, the way like Donovan like chooses his matchups and I'm not trying to like get on Donovan because I know like we've had that show already. Um, but Every show he did. <laughs> well, he keeps giving us like, you know, ammunition for the show. So I understand like, like going the Clipper game. <laughs> The way he calls games, it stretches this team thin. Like, when you think about it, Caruso and Beverly are both pretty much the same player. And I say that in the sense of if you look at their stats, you know, they're both averaging like six points a game, three rebounds a game, and like maybe three assists per game. To ask them to win their matchups on the defensive side and also be responsible for effectively helping shape the offensive identity of this team is a tall order. And I don't know how long you can like get away with it because there's, there's just going to be some matchups that Caruso is not going to be able to win just from like a pure physical standpoint. You're just not going to be able to win. 
you can't have him guarding power forwards and or like small forwards who have a solid mid-range game that outweigh him like 30 40 pounds like I understand like we have faith in Caruso's ability and even Pat's ability um, to be a just a, a pest someone that you hate playing against on on that, that side of the ball but and I understand the Pat Beverly effect. Like we are all buying into that. But it's just not something that I see as being feasible moving forward. Like, there's no way. Like, Caruso is, like, effective when you can administer him in smaller doses. But asking him to hold up throughout the course of the game, I don't see how that works. So, like, oh, he's getting injured. He's Yes, guarding bigger people. Uh, he's he's diving on the floor. He's taking charges. He's <laughs> he's getting banged up, like on pretty much a lot of plays each game, which is why he's in and out of the lineup with injuries sometimes. Like the the foot sprain, they say he'll be dealing with it the rest of the season. He's questionable for tomorrow's game. Um, Javante's questionable for tomorrow's game as well. Drummond is no longer on the injury report. Um, so I guess his his mental state has improved, which is good because we missed him in the in that game against the Lakers. Like <laughs> really missed him and his rebounding. But yeah, um this team is a power forward <laughs> and to not play AC at that position and let him play his natural position. And doses off the bench, and I think he'd be a lot more healthy and could play a lot more games that we would need him to come in and guard like a point guard or shooting guard and not a power forward. Well, it's like the team, like you, you might not need those things if the team played a different style of defense. For instance, like, I don't know, have you guys ever, like, watched, like, war movies or, like, you seen Braveheart before? Like, either one of you? I've seen it. Well, like, when the Scots are, when they're fighting up against the English army, the English army is, like, way more powerful than, than they are. There is no way that you can win a head-on fight with them, which is why throughout the movie you watch like these different war movies where, like, one of the the, the people the adversaries is like small in number. They don't attack the same way. With this Bulls team and them having so many guys that are long, smaller but long, to me it would make sense if you were playing more full court, if you were trapping more, because they have guys who can make up ground on defense we've even seen andre uh, and his ability to play the passing lanes. that's something that i remember i was going back to when matt was on the show and you started talking about the fact that well andre is not much of like a rim protector but we did discuss the fact that he played passing lanes very well he gets steals like you cannot wait for the bigger opponent to be able to get into their half court set because that's going to create mismatches on a roster where everybody is pretty much undersized. 
me, it would make more sense if, like, the Bulls were attacking them more on defense and, you know, trying to get turnovers that way, allowing them to just play fast and not have to think about defensive rotations and all of that when they're in the half-court sets. That is something that I, I would like for them to, like, look at moving forward because they have the personnel to do it, but they just don't for whatever reason, which is kind of – it's just strange. Billy? Yeah, yeah, we're at that point up. So yeah, we're we're blaming Billy. Uh, like, like that Clippers game. Justin is texting like vehemently, like if we had a better coach with better rotations, we would not have lost that game. I'm just like, well, that's what I've been saying like the whole year. So. Yeah. I'm not alone. <laughs> but are you all generally like, it is kind of exciting watching the Bulls get within a, a one game of the eighth seed. Do you guys think that there's a possibility that they could like overtake Toronto and Atlanta for that eighth seed and just win that like out? I think it's possible. Very small chance. <laughs> we would have to win all five of these games. We have to win out. I think Atlanta. Well, no, we would beat Atlanta winning out. So that would make us jump automatically. I think if Atlanta loses two, we could go four and one. So there's a chance. It's just that are they going to be prepared to come out and play tomorrow on a Sunday, which Billy's teams don't really have a good record on the weekends, against John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies, who are trying to lock up the second seed in the West, but still also have a chance to overtake Denver and get the first seed. What time is that game? It's at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Chicago time. I, I got to, like, see, like, Pat <laughs> and Dylan going at it. I Like, I, I, I am dying to see the matchup of Dylan and Pat. Give me some trash. Like, they should mic up Pat for that game. You think they'd be able to like? <laughs> no. <laughs> like you don't think so? <laughs> I don't think they'd be able to air that content. From <laughs> that <laughs> So yeah, it's it's kind of an early game on a Sunday in Chicago. And it's Benny's birthday. <laughs> Shout out, Benny. Happy birthday, Benny. I thought you said Billy for... I would not know Billy's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I would kind of rule that day that he was born. <laughs> Dang. 
<laughs> so yeah, Benny, Benny the Bull. <laughs> it's his birthday. <laughs> Shout out to Benny. <laughs> You're not alone, Carly. <laughs> plenty of strays to go around. Oh, they're not strays. <laughs> they're very intense. These, these are locked on sniper shots. Okay. <laughs> Target is locked in targets. So yeah, if we want to get that AC. You gotta, you gotta come out. You gotta beat Memphis. Then you go into Atlanta. Well, no, Atlanta comes to Chicago. So three out of the last five are home games. Memphis comes in tomorrow, Atlanta Tuesday, which is the tiebreaker in that series. Uh, we go and play the Bucks in Milwaukee Wednesday, play Luke and Kyrie on Friday in Dallas, and then we end the season Sunday, April 9th, Easter in Chicago against the Pistons, who we've beat like what fourteen straight times. Yeah, the Pistons aren't playing it for anything. Dallas is a dumpster fire. Milwaukee by that time might be resting their players, um, depending on. Because I'm not sure, like, who is like one and two? Is Milwaukee ahead of Boston for that number one seed? I think last time I checked, they were. Um, currently, yeah, they're number one. Uh, Boston is a game and a half back of that first game. Season. Half. So they might have like the number one seed locked up by that time, depending on how things shape up over the next few days. So. We might catch a break with that. Not saying that we can't beat Milwaukee because we have, but might have they might be having less to play for. Yeah, so yeah, looking at the schedule for Atlanta. They have the Mavericks. They have us. Then they have the Wizards, Philly, and Boston. Are the Wizards still like in contention with making the plan? Got thirty-four wins. That doesn't look like that's gonna. No. <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, the Raptors schedule, they played Hornets twice. They played ah. Celtics twice. And then they played the Bucks last game of the season. Okay. Wizards play the Knicks, the Bucks, the Hawks, the Heat, and the Rockets. And that playing tournament might be might be our best shot then. Well, either way, it's going to be a playing tournament. But at least 
if we can get to eight, we only have to win one. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. You got to try to win out. What's the longest winning streak that we've had this year? Three. <laughs> Three. It's, you can never get that fourth one. Ugh. So if the Bulls want to go on a well, it'll be a six-game winning streak. They're going to have to win these next five games. Repeat the three-peat. <laughs> so how, how are we feeling about this winning out? <laughs> no, no, nobody wants to. I'm not taking those odds. <laughs> <laughs> not a betting man, but I'm not taking those odds. I am going with us getting the eighth seed and going 4-1 with the Hawks losing two. <laughs> Melissa... <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go next. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go crazy with this one. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I shouldn't say. She's going five and zero. Oh. <laughs> five and zero. Oh. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Five and zero. Oh. Let's go. I think I'm delusional. <laughs> I think it's the food poisoning. I don't know. <laughs> Five and zero. Oh. I was just about to say, are you in your right mind right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'll yeah. go with you, Derek. Four and one. I'll I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I I think the Hawks they drop at least two. I, they they're gonna drop to us for Tuesday. We get that tiebreaker, and I don't see them beating Philly. I don't see them beating Boston either. Crazier things have happened. Crazier things like <laughs> Dennis Smith Jr.'s wing stop. <laughs> 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 Shout out Stacy for cooking that man for no reason. It's on the he's on the bench on the walking boot, just minding his business in this this green sweatsuit. And Stacy's like, is that a wing stop sweatsuit? <laughs> Nobody is safe. Nobody's Hopefully the you know we go four one five zero get this eight seed. You guys can celebrate with some wings stop and <laughs> we move from the play into the playoffs by <laughs> winning one game. Where we were most likely going to be matched up with 
the Bucks or the Celtics. <laughs> but um, we were called the the most dangerous playing team. So that's right by Bill Simmons, right? I haven't heard that one. Yeah, Bill Simmons said we're the most dangerous playing really? team. Okay. Yeah. So we're gonna believe that and <laughs> not necessarily a title that we would like to and have, but, we, but it's we've... the best possible situation. <laughs> we've beaten the good teams this year. So yeah. Locking us into a series with good teams and had Bev telling people they're too small and you know Zach and Damar and Kobe play how they've been playing. Side note, I also love how Pat has been working with Io too. I don't know if you, I've seen some videos floating around of him working with Io in practice. So another shout out, head nod to Pat Bev. Just Billy, keep Io out of the rotation in the playoffs. Limit him, please. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we're we're gonna um... more strays. (laughs) <laughs> that one might have been a stray. <laughs> it's not a stray. I hope all he can do is get downhill. That that's all he's been doing. Dang, all the smoke. So we got Marco, Harleek, Billy, and <laughs> Hit list. Like, hey, do your job and I won't talk about you. <laughs> oh gosh. But yeah, it, we're going to hope for the best here with this play-in situation and see if the Bulls can make some noise. But until then, go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Tennis game over. The horn blows. Welcome back, Bulls Nation, to another episode of the Nothing But Bull podcast. I'm your host, Dirk, and as always, I'm here with my main man, Justin. Just B, what's going on? Nothing much. Nothing much. Happy to be here with you all, though. And, of course, Melissa, how's it going? What's going on, Bulls Nation? What's up, you two? End of another season, but it was fun. It's not fun. Because <laughs> we should be in the playoffs right now. Are you going to start out there lying, <laughs> I mean, the season was overall kind of fun it was a bit of a roller coaster <laughs> but um you know I always have to have this glass half perspective <laughs> it's a coping mechanism you know I always have to remember where we were three years back and prior but it definitely ended too early <laughs> <laughs> we should have at least made the playoffs I didn't expect to go too far in the playoffs but we should have at least made the playoffs for sure after all that hard work they put in after all-star break Especially that, I don't know. They played like great the whole game. It came down to like the last four minutes. Let me cope how I got to cope. We had several things working against us. We had run three in a row before this game. And as we know, the whole season, we could not win four straight. We had Tony Brothers as the referee. And then, of course, you have the clown on the sidelines, <laughs> Billy Donovan. <laughs> it was a recipe for disaster. 
let's be real. There's one thing that was working against us, <laughs> and it's the latter that you mentioned. <laughs> Gum boy. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I, I I wanted to ask this early on. Was like, cause I I was looking at the game and I'm like, man, we're gonna lose this. But like, was there like any point where you all were like? Yeah, it's it's not gonna be our night. And I know you mentioned like everything that was working against us, but as you were watching the game, was like there any moment where you were like, it's not happening? When I realized Zach was like six for twenty one. <laughs> Kinda hard to <laughs> win when your leading scorer shoots six of twenty one for twenty eight point six percent. No threes. I get that point for for me though it was like the first first seven minutes. It's like um, Caruso has all of our points basically, and Booch has taken one shot that was a three. Uh, and I was like, if this if this is what we're looking for to be sustainable throughout this game, that's not going to work. And sure enough. Um, yeah. Early early exit for us. Can we even say it's an exit? Because we weren't really in. <laughs> we well, we made history even <laughs> becoming the first 10th seed to win a playing game. All we had to do was win one more to get in. <laughs> so, Derek, look, it's none of early those exit. stats mean anything. <laughs> It's an early exit. None of those stats will be counted for anything. There are no stats, like playing stats that are accounted for. Ask skill <laughs> history. First thing to do it. Yeah, history. It needed to be history. Like, <laughs> that game was all kinds of stupid. Like just like looking at the game where like we scored more field goals. Um yeah, like they, <laughs> we scored more field goals. Like, like it's it's funny. Like people are talking about like three point shooting, and I'm like, well, Miami's like they shot ten of thirty, we shot eight of twenty eight. So it's not like we were like, you know, getting killed from the three point range. So we weren't getting killed from the three point range. I think we were causing like more turnovers, and. Yet and still, like for us to lose the way we did, it just uh, is pretty indicative of the the lack of identity that this team has had for the entire year. It's just it's comical <laughs> and it's frustrating at the same the same time. So, what did you guys think about when? Uh, well, I shouldn't even. I don't. I I probably shouldn't even ask this. But what did you guys think about when uh, Billy? subbed out Kobe when he was when he was hot and uh also with Andre what do you think the reasons were for that because I've seen like a few things floating around but you know in the presser he was saying it's because he wanted to try something different on defense um by putting Pat in what'd you guys think about it try something different it didn't like the heat like I think they might have shot like six of 20 or something like that in one of the quarters like why 
why are we trying something different on defense? Like what what they were doing was working when we got into the third quarter. Um, it, it was funny. Um, <laughs> Stan Van Gundy. I know a lot of people don't like Stan Van Gundy, but because I've been watching him in South Florida for years, like he's comical to me. But he said something like, "Oh yeah, um, the, the Bulls are changing it up, like playing a full court." defense like why weren't we doing that from the beginning like you know there were just some obvious things that should have been the game plan going in so to feel like you needed to do something for like a different look or or whatever it just I, I don't know what to say about this coaching staff I just don't like if you were looking from the beginning of the game like who like Vooch won the, the opening tip. The beginning of the game should have told you, you know what? Our guy who's uh doing the jump ball, like he's bigger than that other guy over there. Let's just give it to him down low. And Vooch had nine shots. Vooch had the clear advantage. <laughs> nine shots. The Heat have nobody who could guard Vooch. And he takes nine shots. The plan should have been feed Vooch. Nobody who can guard Derek. Okay, let's. And Melissa, you, y'all seen like Miami's roster, like right, like there are three undrafted guys who played (laughs) quality minutes for that team. Undrafted. Should have been feed Vooch. The the thing about uh, Bam, Bam was like considered a defensive anchor because he can switch off on different guys. And he does a great job of doing that. But he cannot guard people in the post. That's something that's been obvious throughout his career in Miami. You know, anybody who's kept up with the Miami Heat. Um, for them to not attack that clear advantage and just like keep punishing and keep punishing and keep punishing. It it was like, I understood that they were like trying to close off like the lanes and keep, keep DeMar and, and, and Zach out of the lane from getting to the basket. But one of the, the staples of the offense should have been get Booch on the elbow, get him in the paint. Um, and they just, failed to recognize that the entire game, except for, ironically enough, when Kobe came in. Uh, Kobe made it a point to get Vooch the ball, not just on the perimeter, but down low, or to create some type of like two-man game with them. And it, it's just funny. Um, you know, we were questioning all year about like the point guard and do they have like the right guy? And <clears throat> the only person who was on that team yesterday who kind of recognized that was was Kobe yeah let me get it to the guy who's bigger than everybody and also is more skilled on offense than that than Bam is on defense like it should have just been an obvious thing and we just didn't do it unfortunately that's been kind of like the story of the whole season when we when they figure out something that works especially I mean it's something we talk about all the time using Vooch as like the connecting piece um, we see how great they flow when they use him as such. And he 
he really did get used to that role. He's been like a double double machine. But um, when they're feeling it, they're great. Offense is flowing, but it's so unpredictable. <laughs> it's really inconsistent. It's just a, it's really just a flow thing. Like sometimes they're in flow and sometimes they're not. And a lot of it has to do with again lack of offensive identity. Um, and then they just go away from things that work, which is utilizing Vooch more. But I don't know. It's been a tough one this season. Um, there's There was improvement over last season. Of course, they kicked it up after All-Star break, um, adding Pat to the roster and Kobe's improvement and just having like that true point guard has been great for the team. But um, my expectations weren't really that high this season after what we after what we saw and what's still going down not going down staying down and that new news um but they were higher than last season and I think the talent not that we added that many pieces um the expectations were higher than last season so it is still pretty disappointing but it is what it is hopefully they build off of this and we'll see what kind of changes they make you guys watch the pressers yeah um, I didn't get it. Like going back to Melissa's question about you know Billy pulling out Kobe. <laughs> he he said it was for defense. Mm -hmm. He was getting killed by Max Struess. Like from from three. Because it was a point I was texting Stacey King and I'm like, who is guarding Max Struess? And he's like, Kobe is so effing far off, <laughs> he can't get back in time. So to, to hear Billy was like, oh, it's for defense, well, I'm like, mm, he was getting killed by Struess, but Caruso should have been on Struess. I didn't understand why AC wasn't on him. But that also goes back to like, that, honestly, that goes back to game planning. Um, and the reason why I say that is because when Miami attacked Chicago on defense. Like, they went into a zone. And the Bulls had no idea what to do when they went into a zone. And it should have been just obvious, just get into the middle, get into the paint. Um, but, like, it's it just comes from a lack of preparation. And it's not to, like, evolve, like, Kobe from, like, his defensive assignments on, um, on Struess or even to absolve um, Zach with his lack of executing the offense, you know, six to 21, you can't, you can't do that when you're trying to, when a, when a game is this important, but a lot of that, I, I got a question like the repetition as far as the practice and what those guys are being presented with um, or just like a simple timeout, you know, Hey, <laughs> that guy's killing us. And, and then it's, also, like, you have an advantage, just like if Struess is going to be in there, he's undersized, just like the entire Miami Heat roster is just clearly undersized. There should have been some way that they could have gotten those guys into foul trouble, just like with the athletic ability of DeMar, of Zach, and even with, um, with, with P-Will. Like getting those guys on the move so that they could attack Miami's defense and not allow them to just be stationary. You know, that <laughs> it, it should have been something that at least as the game went on, 
should have been addressed. Like, how many how many three point shots did Shrews have? Was it like five? It was more than five. <laughs> five. It was more than five. <laughs> Let me see. He had anyway. five, like, in the first quarter. Max. But it's like, what what is going on as far as, like, as the game is moving ahead? Okay, he had seven. Seven of 12. <laughs> 31 points. Like, I don't mind, like, um, him going off like that. But for him to have only three fouls, when clearly our wings have an advantage over him, athletically that doesn't make any sense it just doesn't register for me and you know that again those guys have to be have to recognize who they're playing against on the floor because there were too many times and we've seen this all year like the help defense has not been where it's supposed to be like if you're going to make a move then just commit to that move don't allow yourself to get lost and watch your guy who's moving off the ball but you know that's a lot of that is just preparation. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of the presser, our guest was at the presser today, so let's bring him in. There he is. We are being joined by the senior writer for WARR Media and the Bulls reporter for the Bigs Media, Joshua Hicks. Joshua, how's it going? Going pretty good, guys. How about you? All right, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate the opportunity. So, yeah, thank you, Joshua, <laughs> I I feel like I put like more effort in try, through no fault of your own in trying to track you down than I did in trying to secure a a date, a first date with my wife. So <laughs> I'm glad the schedule finally <laughs> came together. But uh, thank you for being patient and, and, and coming on. No problem at all. So, Joshua, as I was bringing you on, I mentioned that you were at the end of season presser today. How was like the feeling of what was actually said versus what you think they will actually act on? Well, um, Arturo's Carnesivis pretty much made it known that, um, you know, rebuild is not in their minds. Uh, they're more focused on trying to build around the core group that they have of their big three, you know, DeMar DeRose and Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic with, Vuce, with them knowing that Vuce is a free agent this offseason. And um, they showed their interest in making sure they're going to do what they can to bring them back. They want them back. Um, and Vooch pretty much confirmed that the feeling is mutual. You know, he does want to come back and stay, but there's other factors that have to play into it. Not, uh, not just from a fit perspective, but the vision offensively, as well as his family. You know, he loves Chicago. His family loves Chicago. And he's about to have a third baby in a couple months. So he's trying to uh, make sure that, you know, everything's good with the family as well as, you know, the fit and where the vision is moving forward with this core group and where the where the Bulls are trying to go. Because at the end of the day, they regressed. Um, they, they went from being a playoff team last year, guaranteed playoff team last year, no playing uh, on top of that, to, you know, losing in the first round into to this uh, season where you have to play in 
to try to even get a playing spot and you don't even make the, the playoffs off of that. Um, you know, so what they feel they made improvements, even though the ending result wasn't what they wanted. Um, but the reality is at the end of the day, they're confident in the core group that they have. They want to maintain those guys and build the right pieces necessary to help propel the team moving forward. Um, what that looks like remains to be seen because um, even though it looks like the, the team could potentially be slightly retooled, um, the team, Carnage Smith knows that all options are on the table. He's going to evaluate all options, which does mean if Vooch doesn't come back or uh, DeMar DeRozan may seem to be wanting in a different situation considering that he did come here because of Vooch, you know, you know, you don't know what the team's going to look like moving forward for the season, but it's pretty much clear that from as of right now, their direction is building around the core group of DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic, he, and bringing the best tools possible uh, to make sure this team flourishes in a way that it can flourish. And some of it is going to be growth within the organization from a player's perspective that's currently on the roster. Some of it is resigning a couple guys like Kobe White. He's a restricted free agent this offseason. Um, and they expressed interest in bringing him back. So it's figuring out those kinks, but also at the same time, filling out the areas that they know they need to improve in. And that's a lot of areas. You talk about lack of rebounding. You talk about the lack of depth in the front court. You talk about um, the lack of three-point shooting. The Bulls were dead last in three-point shooting this past season. So they're aware of what needs to be done. But me personally... I, I do have question marks regarding are they actually going to go forth and get it done in a way that they want to, considering they were big on continuity and they were big on giving the team the chance for players to grow in chemistry-wise as well as their skill sets to see what this team the makeup of this team really can be. And they underachieved this year in a season where they expected second-round playoffs or further. So it, it just depends on what you know what they're going to do. But right now they're talking all the right things. I watched some of the presser too, and I noticed um, he was very enthusiastic about when he was asked about um, resigning Kobe. He mm -hmm. was very definitive. I didn't really get that same feeling when he was asked about Io. Maybe it's just me. But what did what did you get from that, or how did it feel when he answered that question? I know he did say that like he's looking to keep him as long as possible, but it just didn't feel as enthusiastic. Well, Io had an up and down season. You you have to be mindful of the fact that. When I talked to him, he didn't necessarily say he's in a sophomore slump. Um, when you talk about his sophomore year into the league, but it was very much up and down. He went from starting point guard to coming off the bench to go back into starting lineup. And then at the end, you know, Patrick Beverly came in and pretty much took that starting point guard spot and proven that at the end of the day, the Bulls needed a veteran point guard in that backcourt, not just a young and upcoming player who is learning to be a point guard because he's not necessarily a point guard coming out of uh, coming out of uh, you know university of illinois so um he's still learning that position and kobe white for sure at that time was still learning that position so you had to bring in veteran help with lonzo ball being out and that's what they did and you know i wasn't wasn't waived by that um he was more focused on just being a team guy um and he knows where he needs to improve that, but because of the fact that there was the point guard position was such a problem this season, um, I think the Bulls know 
what they need to do to fill it, especially since they, as of right now, are getting the feeling that Lonzo Ball is going to miss a lot of time next season. They're not going to completely rule out saying that he's out for next year, but because they, because, you know, Arturis did say that he is confident that Lonzo Ball will be coming back. However, Lonzo Ball, more three, three knee surgeries now, and you've missed two years of basketball. I, I can't guarantee that he's going to come back and be the same player right away. So they're going to need a point guard or an insurance policy on that point guard position. And especially we talk about from a starting point guard, Io as of right now, doesn't fully give what that starting point position can, you know, can be. He can be a great backup, but as of right now, I think the bulls know what they need to do with that position. And yeah, you can get the vibe that he wants Io there. But it's not a guarantee that he will be there because they want to retool that position in such a way where it doesn't have a lot of relapses like they experienced this past season. So with that being said, who who do you think the focus will primarily shift towards the the, uh, front office going back to try to resign? Like, will it be uh, Kobe, uh, Pat, or Io? Who do you think like they put their primary focus on? It's most likely going to be, well, Vooch, number one. Vooch is definitely the number one option right now to secure. Um, but outside of Vooch, Kobe White's most likely going to be next. It's probably going to be Kobe and Pat. Um, because they are very <clears throat> high on Patrick Williams, and this is his first real season that he had where he was healthy enough to play through um because he's been injured his first few years so they liked what they saw out of Patrick Williams and they understand that Patrick Williams is still figuring out what when and where to pick his spots because he's playing with three stars and he's still trying to figure out the way to land within the game but they like what they saw from him and I know they will probably want to grow him even that much further because as because when Patrick Williams really starts to understand the game and be more consistent with his aggressive play. He has a chance to be a special player. He does. Um, and the bulls know that, and they don't want that to just go away right away. Um, Cause if they had a chance, if, cause if that's how they felt about him or they felt like he wasn't going to be a good fit for this current team right now, he would have been traded by now. He would have been part of some other deal that could have brought in someone that can fill that void, but they have him, and they want him. So because of the fact that he's that he was Carnesivis and Mark Eversley's very first pick since they were been in office, and um you, and the fact that Kobe White has pretty much earned the trust of that front office and Billy Donovan, because we have to be mindful of the fact that Arturis Carnesivis did not draft Kobe White. John Paxson and Gar and you know John Paxson and Gar Foreman did. So for them, for him to earn the trust of that front office and Billy Donovan to pretty much say, you know, we want you to be that guy. And Billy Donovan emphasizing today, he believes Kobe White does have a chance to be a starting point guard in this league because of the fact that he's grown so much since he's been here in Chicago. I can't see Ayo having that much of a spot, especially when you already got Dale and Terry on the rise too, on this Bulls roster of whom made an argument last year that he may not be the best offensive player, but he fills what the Bulls need, which is defensive presence in the perimeter and energy and a tenacity 
that fits the physical component that Arturis Carnesivis and Mark Eversley are looking for. So Io's kind of in the, in the mud right now. I think he's going to be in the mud for a little bit because he's not going to be the primary focus. It's probably going to be Kobe White and Patrick Williams outside of the big, obviously the big fish in Nikola Vucevic. Great. Like, <clears throat> like, I think it was KC that had asked Arturis, he's like, well, you sound like you're trying to sign everybody, but I don't think you have the cap space to do it. <laughs> And he's just kind of laughing and all. So I was like, immediately I'm thinking Io has got to be the man out. And I don't know. I think Javante Green's probably not under contract anymore, is he? No. Uh Javante Green, he'll he'll he's a free agent as well. Um it's hard to see what they're gonna do right now because the way they expressed it was they want to re- they're gonna look at every option, but at the same time, their heart is still like in this phase where we kind of like what we have and let's, you know, let's just see where it goes. Um, So it's kind of hard to fully justify at this present moment that everybody's coming back, especially since he pretty much said, we're going to sign everybody. It seems like, (laughs) Um, but the reality is he claims, you know, that the Ryan's doors are giving him the full go and they can do, they, they have the green light to do whatever they need to do until I actually see that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's hard to actually say that they're going to do that because we know how the Ryan's doors are. So um, it's going to be kind of tough to really evaluate all that stuff out. But I do believe that as things continue to go moving forward throughout this offseason and they've signed the big fishes that they need to get and potentially bringing back Nikola Vucevic and Kobe White. I think after that, you might see some surprises because as much as we like to knock Arturis Karnisovic and Mark Eversley for not, you know, being aggressive at the trade deadline, knowing that this group currently constructed is not working, he was the main reason why we had a retooled roster even last year. You know, bringing in Alice Car- or a couple years ago, bringing in Alice Caruso, bringing in DeMar DeRozan, trading for Vooch. Like making the moves that the previous regime did not do and wasn't willing to do. So they've shown that they can be aggressive when they need to be. Will they do it this go around, though? It remains to be seen. He talked about like the lack of moves at the trade deadline, too. And he had mentioned, um, he kept mentioning that there was really nothing available. How do you feel about that? Do you think that there really wasn't anything to work with, or do you think it was a matter of? the wallet <laughs> jerry hmm. mike mike's wallet that uh even though he said that he has they have uh he has their support what do you think about that i'll i'll, I'll say this i think there could have been some moves that could have been made i believe he just wanted to see what this team and the makeup of this team is going to be for the rest of the season because he was so big on continuity giving the team a chance to you know come together in the moments when they need to the most. And you won't really figure that out until really at the end of the season at this present moment because the Bulls uh, season was so lopsided compared to last year. So I believe that he did his research. I do believe that. And he just felt that there wasn't any moves to be made. I I think they could have made small moves that maybe bringing in some type of shooting potentially considering we were dead last in the league in three-point shooting and not just – three-point shooting percentage, but also three-point shooting makes and attempts. 
um, that's a problem. You're not going to win too many games that way. Um, And, you know, they know that, but there are some shooters at the trade deadline that did get traded to contenders and they're making impacts on those contending playoff contending teams right now. And they're in the playoffs right now. So I think the Bulls could have made some moves for that purpose, but I think that they also wanted to stick to their guns and stick to their game plan, which was to give the team pretty much the full season to figure out what they're going to do and what the, this team really looks like and to see what they really have. And if anything, use the trade deadline to gog the interest of what it would take in case something in the offseason were, were needed to needed to happen, whether it is trading Zach Levine or whether it is tra- doing like a sign-in trade for Vooch. You know, like it just depends on what the scenario is. But I do believe they were just really doing a lot of research behind the scenes to see what all their options are going to be because the main theme that Arturus Cronisifus constantly hyped, harped on was my job is to evaluate everything and I'm going to do that regardless of how I feel this offseason about this team, which means he's going to evaluate every option and see which players are going to stay and which players are going to go. And you can't do that unless you go out the interest and take the calls. Right. You mentioned like being dead last and three-point shooting, percentage, attempts, makes. And it seemed like that would be the priority going into the offseason. But it almost sounded like it was more of a coaching plan that he wants to implement more three-point shots in the offense. And even like DeMar said that he'll be taking more threes as he's getting older and his game is always changing. So it didn't seem like they're necessarily going to just go out and try to find shooters, but they just want to like implement it more in the coaching plan for players to improve their shooting. There's some of that. Um, I I will say that because when you talk to someone like Kobe White, who is one of the best three-point shooters on the team, he'll tell you part of the reason why we didn't shoot the best is because we didn't take a lot of shoot uh, threes. We turned down a lot of three-point jump shots um and him himself included so his biggest thing was harping on the fact that we just didn't take advantage of opportunities that were given to us behind the three-point line and that eventually is going to have to give when you talk about the bulls where you're not only struggling to make the three but you're constantly starting off game slow and you're not and you're always in the hole you know behind that that in the hole with big deficits, double-digit deficits in early amounts of games. Like, those type of things that have to improve, part of it is you being aggressive with your three-point shooting so you can make those comebacks. So that way you can not always be playing catch-up. And players know that. Um, And the coaches actually really do believe in the players that they do have from a shooting perspective. And quite honestly, you can agree with some of that. Alex Caruso is a 40% career three-point shooter. Uh, Javante Green, before he got hurt, improved his jump shot drastically and was making timely threes. Um, Kobe White, same way. We always knew he was a sniper. He was sniping from three and, and shooting over 40% from the three-point line, especially in the last half of the season. When Zach Levine got himself together, he was shooting 35% or more from three. So, the shooting for the most part was improving and was somewhat there. And I know that's what they were relying on was the, was the player development for each player to add that element to their game. And it was working in the beginning, but obviously with injuries, players trying to get themselves together, 
And like Kobe mentioned, the lack of IQ and of risk-taking when it comes to shooting and making three-point jump shots. That all factors into why the Bulls were dead last. And will they make moves to change that? I hope so. Arturis Karnitovic said that they were heavily going to look into that. But you can look into a lot of things. I look into homes out here. I already got a home. So I don't necessarily have to move. They got to actually make the move to get these people. And we know they can do it. But it's a different, this is a different offseason compared to what it was a couple of years ago. It has been um, something that we have talked about several times and many fans have harped on the fact that this team just doesn't seem to have a consistent offensive identity. And I know part of that is tied into them and their ability to take and make three-point shots. Uh, You talked about uh, the front office kind of being excited about signing those players. Are the players, just from what you gauged and the with you being around them, do you feel like they're fully buying into the system and the front office's ability to address uh, the, the concerns of the team and, and get them over the hump to the next step, which is not just trying to make the play-in tournament? Yeah, they're bought in. Um, there wasn't It wasn't like this season. There was a huge disconnect between any of the players, really, and um, the, and the coaching staff or front office. Um, You can make a case for one of the players in Andre Drummond, who kind of had a little bit of a disconnect, uh, considering that, you know, playing time, availability, et cetera. Um, You can tell from the outside looking in, that was a little bit of an issue. And um, even Zach Levine trying to figure out what his role was going to look like with this team, because if you can recall in the beginning of the season, he was outspoken and said, yo, I got to talk to Billy. I'm not playing late in games and I'm playing, you know, and I feel like I should be out there. That's a problem for me, you know? And after you work out those kinks, you, you, you start to see the cohesiveness between the, within the team. And, you know, the players love playing for each other and uh, playing for the coaching staff. But I also think this year was a little bit more difficult because this is a new offensive system. Um, this was the offense that was supposed to be built on randomness, uh, less DeMar DeRozan, but more share of the wealth. Um, we talk about scoring and putting people in a position to exploit their gifts. And the problem is, to me, from the outside looking in, it wasn't a lot of that. When you play through Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, that's completely iso ball half of your half of your offense. You know, when the Bulls played through Nikola Vucevic, whether he scores or not the offense flowed. There was a movement. There was constant action. And you normally got positive results from it. The Bulls don't ha- ne- never express the IQ of constant of sticking to that game plan. Game plans always change, whether it's beginning of the game, middle of the game, end of the game. It's no, it's no consistency of playing well for 48 minutes of basketball. And that's been a problem this season for them. So, it's a lot of factors, to be honest with you. It's not just uh, players supposedly buying in or not. That They've always been bought in. The problem is the offense that they ran this season, there's inconsistencies and there were flaws to it. And it showed in massive ways. And because of that, 
that's where Billy Donovan has to go back to the drawing board and figure out, okay, how can we make this offense that much better? Especially since now you created a blueprint for someone like a Nikola Vucevic. You're trying to get him at the top top 10 center in this league to come back. And that's not a guarantee. So you need to be able to show him that, hey, with this offense that we're running or I'm trying to run, we need to be more consistent in getting you involved. And this is what it can look like. So it's it's more factors to it. I'll, I'll say I'll just I'll put it that way. It's more factors to it, but the team is the team, there's never really any chemistry issues per se with the team. I asked because like you mentioned randomness, but then you talked about, you know, them needing to get boost the ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think listening to a lot of people who have been um, on against Zach and like what he does wrong on the court. Mm. It is, it's rather interesting to me because when I look at like great players around the league, they exploit what they're great at and their, their scheme, like it, it really magnifies what they're great at. Like we don't look at Steph and are like, well, man, how come you didn't dunk the ball more? Um, in fact, when we do see Steph dunk, it's like, wow, I didn't know he could jump. He, I didn't know he could get up like that. Or, like, there's never anybody who's like, well, man, Giannis, you should have been shooting more. Like, you know, you do what it is that fits your strengths. And it, to, to me, I, I asked that question before because it just seems rather odd when you have three very efficient uh, offensive players in different positions, like why that hasn't gelled quite like what we expected. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think a lot of it is IQ. IQ, discipline. Um, Because like you said, three offensive players that have proven efficiency-wise as well as um, scoring-wise the influence and impact they can have on a game. And within those three options that you have, there is no reason why you can't figure out what an offensive identity is because you got so much at your disposal. The great ones will understand that. The problem is we have Vooch who understands that. You got DeMar DeRozan who pretty much understand it as veterans in the league. And with Zach being a younger veteran, I think he's learning still what it means to be in that type of role because between Vooch and Zach Levine, this is the best talent they played on any roster this past season. And on top of that, they're still trying, especially for Zach, he's trying to, he's maturing more in a leadership role because he's the face of the franchise. You are the max player. I think this past season, <clears throat> excuse me, Zach was learning that there's levels to being a max player. There's levels that come with the expect of the expectations that is expected of you. Zach can't just go out and just ball out and drop 20, 27 and five, and then be like, okay, we should be winning. There's other ways to impact the game. And one of Zach's flaws is the IQ component. He does not always have the best IQ. He doesn't make always the best decisions in games. And that's the team in general. That's like that. Um, so I think that's one of the major reasons to be quite honest with you. It's the IQ combined with the discipline. So that way, when things break down or things aren't going the way you want it to go, you have a system 
of morals and principles that you can follow behind to push yourself every single game and every single minute of the game to improve, make stops, score timely, and put yourself in winning situations. And for half of the season, you could say they were doing that uh, because a lot of the games that they did lose this year were close games between, you know, clutch moments, uh, fourth quarter or last three minutes of the game or overtime. But at the end of the day, you still didn't win. So because you didn't win, there's those, that's where the discipline comes in. That's where the mental toughness comes in. That's where um, that will and determination comes in to where you can't just play any old kind of way and just expect things to come together. You have to play a certain brand of basketball that will lead to winning on both ends of the floor. And it took them a while to get that this year. Um, but it's still something they have to learn from considering that there was so much change, not just with the fact of Lonzo Ball being out for the rest of this, for the whole season, but also new offense, new coaching style, and players adapting to roles that, quite frankly, they aren't necessarily meant to adapt to. Those are all great points, but all I heard was Billy's team has no morals. <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to Billy and you might get a different answer. <laughs> you have an insight on like how their practices go, like and including like film sessions, how what what are they working on? Because we talked a lot about discipline and it seems to, I don't know, for just a basketball fan, it seems to be a lot of common sense things that the Bulls are lacking on. Like the discipline, the the consistency, just running offense through Vooch. It's like Stacey always says it's a simple game. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Um we always are discussing amongst ourselves, like what what is the disconnect? Because they know what works, they see what works. We see flashes of just great basketball when they're in flow, but then they can play a completely different game the next game, or even from from half to half. It's like a completely different game. Well, do you have any insight on like what practices look like, or what locker room chats look like, or film sessions, or um, not necessarily. Um, I what I will say is. When you go into a locker room or you go into the locker room, um, I've seen the veterans rallying around the young guys, trying to teach the young guys. DeMar DeRozan is always talking to the young guys. Um, Patrick Beverly, when he got there, was always talking to the young guys. Matter of fact, Patrick talks a lot. Um, (laughs) uh, But the camaraderie was there. I just think that you, th- I think the Bulls threw a lot of younger guys in the fire to develop in such a way to impact the game that doesn't necessarily match the veteran talent mm-hmm. and the urgency behind winning basketball. Because at the end of the day, Vooch is thirty-two. Vooch is thirty-two or above thirty-two. Marta Rosen is in his is in his thirties. Those are two players that right now, even though they can play or putting up prime numbers they're coming out of their prime a little bit. They don't have much time to win championships. And you pairing them with Zach, who is young, but still learning, because this is the first time he's actually been in a winning culture um, or trying to be in a winning culture. You have those three leading your team, and you're hoping that your other main players that you play are all guys that are younger, barely made the first four or five years in the league. So... You're holding that's a lot of responsibility to give to a core group of people 
when you know the sense of urgency to win, especially when they're with their contracts being in a three-year period, it's it's the chances are slim. And I think we caught lightning in a bottle in the beginning when they all first arrived because of Lonzo Ball, his impact from a point guard pers- perspective. And it was just, and they were winning early and it just seemed everything gelled so well. Um, and the fact that when Lonzo got off, got out, you can just tell when and Zach got hurt, things just derailed. And once they derailed, the reality is the Bulls never picked it back up. Even this season, they never really picked it back up. So, you know, we got deceived, I like to say, with the with cat, catching lightning in the bottle. But the reality is the the younger talent that is with that the Bulls have, no matter how great they are and can be development-wise, doesn't always match up with the veteran leadership that you have in that locker room. And the only way that gets better is if you bring in guys that can help aid the balance of developing those young guys, but also playing at a high level and showing young guys what it is to win basketball games to play winning basketball. That's why Patrick Beverly was so huge for the Bulls to get. He changed the dynamic of what it means to win and 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 holding others accountable throughout the process. And that is something that the young guys needed to bring and they needed to see. And they grew from that. Kobe White has mentioned to me that Patrick Beverly's impact changed the way he plays the game and it becomes and, and his vocality from a leadership perspective. And you saw that within the last four or 14 games of the season. Kobe White, Kobe White played his best basketball of the year. Same with Io. Um those guys need that type of presence in the locker room, especially in a point guard position where that void now, that void seems non-existent. It's, it's going to be hard to fill because it's non-existent. You're not expected to get that type of basketball coming back. So it's, it's, it's a lot of, um, I want to, I want to say it could be a, a un, a un, it, it could be a little bit of a chaos or a combustion potentially take a place from that chemistry perspective. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just a matter of finding the right mix and camaraderie rise, you know, off the court bulls, but they love each other. Players love each other, but on the court, it's a different gov. It's a different type of type of message. And I think the bulls have an idea of what that message was really sent this season. You mentioned that vocality aspect and Mm -hmm. Uh, it did show uh, with Kobe, especially this year. In the past few games, we were just talking about that before you came on, that when he came in, like it seemed like the offense settled more mm-hmm. where he was actually finding Booch in getting him the ball in the proper position. And just like when, when that wasn't available, he was opening it up and making direct passes to like to P-Will and getting him clear shots. Do you think moving forward, if, well, they've already stated that they are trying to bring him back. Do you think that Billy will give him that opportunity to kind of take the, the reins of the offense and, and be more assertive and direct players? Like, is that eventually something that he will be allowed that leeway to grow into? I would say yes, because he's more mature now. And not just the mental aspects of the game, but the physical components of his game and his skill set to actually be a point guard. Um, when he took that position two years ago, he wasn't ready. And it showed that he wasn't ready. 
Um, but there was no winning expectations with that team anyways because there was so much turmoil. We talk about um, Fred Horberg being gone and you got Jim Boylan, uh, guard packs. You know, it, it was a lot of stuff going on <laughs> when Kobe White got here. Um, so him learning on the fly, you know, to be that point guard that quite frankly for that system just wasn't neat. It just didn't fit. Um, that's why Lonzo Ball was so such a huge pickup because he fit exactly what Billy Donovan was looking for, which was at the time a traditional point guard. But I think because of this offensive change that's taking place, it allowed time for Kobe White to find his niche, which for him was com- when that, that he was comfortable with was coming off the bench and just being him. Kobe White is not a regular point guard. He is a scoring point guard. He is a put. The, I'm, I'm, I can get guys in the right positions, but my best skill set is putting the ball in the basket. And now the Bulls have a chance to use some of that growth and some of that skill set to implement it into an offense that, quite frankly, needs that high power. Because if you don't have that high power, you're going to be sluggish. There's, there's not going to be no no quick pace to your offense. Which is why Io started the season as the point guard, anyways, because Io pushed the pace. But you also saw that Io was also young, two years in the league. He still has to grow in, you know, certain areas that, quite frankly, that position needed. Because Kobe White now has that growth and maturation, he has a better chance of taking on that role. Um, will he be a starting point guard this year? I don't know. I think it can be a good chance if the Bulls don't find another way to settle that point guard position or bring in a backup point guard that is like, like they did with Goran Dragic originally that can, you know, be a veteran presence in that position while letting the young guy just go at it. Um, If they do something like that, yeah, I can see Kobe white starting. Um, But is it possible that he won't? Yeah, it's possible. Cause if they really go aggressively at this point guard position with the expectation that as well as as long as Lonzo ball does eventually heal and he's able to actually come back this season, you know, that space is going to be kind of limited for that role from a minute's perspective, but it's possible. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what they're going to do with that. Cause he did mention too, in the presser that he is not, not naturally a point guard. He's a guard. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had mentioned too, that, um, he had to like really sit down with himself and take a look at himself in the mirror and say, I just need to play to my strengths, you know, do what I do best. And that's a guard. So versus a point guard. So it'd be interesting to see what they do this season. And if we're going to do any, any, make any moves with the point guard position. And in hindsight, do you think that we did enough, the team did enough to develop Dalen this year? I mean, it's obvious why we picked him up, but do you think that they could have done more to give him some type of just more experience, game time experience. Yeah, I I I, I expected Dalen to be like what Io was when his when he first got there. Mm-hmm. You know, get him a little bit of minutes here and there, see what he does. He'll blow your mind, and then okay, he has to no choice but to be in the rotation. And he he rightfully should have been, because when you talk about the Bulls' inconsistency inconsistencies when regarding. You know, lack of effort, lack of energy, playing slow and sluggish, not not enough, you know, tenacity, especially on a defensive end. 
you know, Dalen came in and switched all that around whenever he was playing. He may not score. He may not be the best shooter, but he can slash and he can rebound. He's a solid rebounder for a guard and he's a great defensive presence. You know, he's still learning those and he still obviously has some, you know, skill sets to learn and develop over time, but he gives you a spark. And I think he should have played more this year, uh, considering that the Bulls needed that in a lot of games that he didn't play in. Um, And I believe that Billy Donovan is kind of seeing that. Um, And I think that that could change next year to where Dalen Terry, you might see a lot more Dalen Terry, but he should have played more. Bottom line, he should have he should have played more to give the Bulls what they needed, and you know, obviously they bite the bullet with that one, but he should have been playing more. Mm-hmm. You talked about you know Kobe playing his best basketball when Patrick Beverly came in, and now Pat's been talking to the young guys, and you know having that veteran role. Do you get the sense that the Bulls would try to re-sign Patrick Beverly? Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and quite frankly, I think they should, because when you talk about the point guard market out there, especially from free agency perspective, I don't know if you can get any type of quality point guard that can provide what Patrick Beverly does, especially when your focus is defensive intensity around the perimeter, holding people accountable, so so veteran leadership, and having the ability to bring energy every night and when necessary knock down a three-point jump shot. That's that you're not that's not available in the in the, in the fridge market right now. Um and he was one of the main reasons why the Bulls were above 500 post All-Star break when he arrived and literally 3 minutes away from being in the playoffs. So because of that, he's a and he's a hometown kid too. I would not be surprised if the Bulls looked back and said, hey, you know, we love what you did here. We want you to continue that moving forward. And the best thing about it with Patrick Beverly is he knows what it's like to also be a backup point guard. So let's say you do get Lonzo Ball back. He can just slide right on over to the bench um, as a backup point guard, which he's done before, and he'll be fine. Um, at, At the end of the day, he filled and provided in some ways, not every way, but in some ways, what the Bulls needed in that position. And I will be, it'll, I will be foolish to not reconsider bringing him back, knowing that if you had him earlier in the season, you might be a playoff team. You know, when when we got him, I, I made the. The comment of, uh, oh, we have a coach now <laughs> because we got Patrick Beverly who can go out there and actually hold guys accountable and <laughs> run an offense. Yeah, and Billy Donovan loves him. Like, Billy Donovan, you know, appreciates the fact that he doesn't just necessarily have to custly coach those guards like that all the time. Patrick Beverly can just step in and be a player coach in a lot of ways on the court. And they see eye to eye a lot. And Billy Donovan has been very adamant and appreciative of Patrick Beverly's voice, which is what the Bulls needed in that locker room. So because of that confirmation and, you know, Arturis Cronusov is being very adamant on making sure he's evaluating all options to improve the roster and the team. Yeah. 
Bring him back. Bring that fire intensity back. Run it back at least for another year. See what happens. Because he plays well with the veteran players, and the veteran players want him. They love him. He, he's one of those guys where you love to have him on your team, but you hate to play against him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I was, and since the Bulls know what that looked like, I would hate to not to hate to play against him next year because he's gonna he's gonna circle you on the calendar. Um, so I think I think the Bulls will, will look into that for sure, and they'll be foolish not to at least reconsider it. If there's better options out there, by 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 all means, go for it. But he's a good insurance policy for what you're looking for. Yeah, being locked in. Does that include um, the coaching staff as well? Like. Will we see any changes from the bench? Uh, maybe like the, um, the assistant coaches or I, I'm just putting it out there. Like if the Bulls come out and like they're just sluggish or terrible at the beginning, does Bully have a full leash or is it is it short? Can you speak on that at all? Um, I don't expect any coaching changes to take place. Uh, Billy Donovan did sign an extension with the team, even though they did it really hush-hush and no one knew about it until literally months later. But he's locked in long-term. So because of the fact he's locked in long-term and he does have a good rapport with the front office and front office seems to really include him a lot in the personnel decisions and moves that need to be made for this, for, for that way he can coach the way that he needs to coach and desires to coach. I don't think I expect any changes like that to be made. Yeah, the the fans wanted, but <laughs> it was kind of doubtful, especially since the whole coach staff got an extension before the season. A secret one, low key one. <laughs> yeah, that that still rubs my head. I I mean I get it, um, especially since Billy Donovan is known for you know his being a player's coach. He did help the Oklahoma City Thunder go to the Western Conference Finals when he did have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, you know, and players thrived in under his, under his, you know, under his tenure, Russell Westbrook was won his MVP under Billy Donovan, you know, um, Billy Donovan was literally what a win away from getting the thunder to the NBA finals. If they didn't blow that three <laughs> lead with the, with the Golden state warriors. Um, and you know, he coached a young team that was led by Chris Paul in the bubble to the first round to the playoffs and taking the Houston Rockets to seven games, which is something that no one expected. And for him to be here in Chicago, he turned the team around and got them to the playoffs for the first time in years. So there's a winning record that comes with Billy Donovan. But the fact that they did it so hush-hush uh, – definitely raises some question marks for me and how they do business because at the end of the day maybe it could have been a little too soon and you just want and you, and you know you wanted to just lock in the guy at the time when you could have considering that you see that there's you know a playoff success that can come with that and I, I can see that but I don't see why they had to do it so hush hush that's definitely raises some question marks for me and how they do business it's, it's very gar gar packs ish um with that type of with that type of move and how they did that. So I definitely still got my you know question marks regarding that. I I, I was surprised like nobody <laughs> asked them today like 
Why was it so hush hush? Probably because he was sitting right there. <laughs> right. Mm -mm. <laughs> you want to talk about me to my face? <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about when uh, Billy pulled Kobe those last few minutes? I'm curious to get your opinion on that. As we were talking about like him trusting, I mean, he said he trusts, he puts his trust in Kobe and the presser too. And um, we know that Billy is a big fan of Pat. Mm -hmm. um, what What is your opinion on that? Why do you think he made that so? Because you got to do what it takes to win. And the reality is, you know, as much as Kobe White was killing it, uh, Patrick Beverly's the proven guy. He's a proven point guard that knows what it's like to, you know, win in clutch moments. And he knows how to respond in those moments. So I believe that, um, you know, Patrick Beverly and the impact that he brings on both ends of the floor made it easy for Billy Donovan to be like, all right, come on, <laughs> you know, let's make the switch. And quite honestly, it's been like that all season long. Because when you talk about Kobe White, there's there's plenty of times where, you know, him and Pat, if they make certain mistakes too often, they're getting yanked. Mm -hmm. um, and he's going with a veteran presence. And that could be frustrating for a young guy because how can you expect a young guy to develop if he can't make mistakes and play through those mistakes? And, you know, even though Billy Donovan admires and acknowledges Kobe's growth, that still can be a concern considering that Kobe White isn't settling to be, isn't trying to settle to be a backup point guard. Dude's trying to be a starting point guard in the league. If he feels like he can't get that here, why should he be here? Right. Um, so, but they, but they know those things. They know those things. And Kobe has always been positive about Billy Donovan, uh, loves playing for Billy Donovan. Um, and, and, you know, he, he believes in him. So, they have to have enough rapport so that way when Kobe White comes out of games, you know, he, he know, even though he might disagree, he still respects Billy Donovan enough to trust that, you know, what he's doing. And Billy Donovan has made it known that he'll yank anybody because he did it with Zach Levine. And we saw how that went. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's something to keep my eye. It's something that you pay attention to for sure. But um, considering that Billy Donovan has – that type of pull to where he's not afraid to yank anyone out of a game when they need to be yanked to help the team win. It's one of the, honestly, is the one is a really actually great attribute to have as a coach because it shows that just because it's, it's great for accountability purposes, just because you may be getting all the money in the world or you guaranteed a spot right now. It also means that if you don't get your job done, I'm going to make sure I do mine. So I'm not on a hot seat. And you can't blame him for that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I. it sounds pretty much like their plan is simply to kind of make a tweak here and there, but still run with this core for next year. Uh, I know a lot of Bulls Nation has not liked the word continuity, <laughs> but it definitely seems like continuity is still going to be the theme of the roster next year. And I know DeMar mentioned like last year, Zach wasn't healthy and this year 
dealing with the quad in the second half when Zach finally got back healthy. So does it seem to you that if they are both healthy, Vooch is back, Kobe's back, that this team with minor tweaks can be a playoff team instead of barely making the play in? Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Um, the fact that we were even a playing team and we were literally three minutes away from making it to the playoffs with what we have now, I think is a testament to the Bulls' talent and the fact that if you do make minor tweaks um, and both players can be healthy and all your players, the throw core players can be healthy, you know, a lot of positive can come to the point where you are a playing turn up, you know, a playoff team. Um, and it's funny to think about because when you really do think about it, even though both of those players weren't always healthy at the same times, the two years they played together, each of them made all-star appearances. So individually it works, you know, some that, that duo can work individually and they become, and they can become arguably one of the top deadliest duos in the league, but combining that with a solid point guard. And you find a way to get Boots to continue to being the double-double machine that he is and impacting the game offensively and defensively. Yeah, I'll take that any day. And the Bulls have clearly made it known they will too. So I think that's going to be a game changer this year when with, with the fact that you'll be coming into next season with a healthy DeMar DeRozan and a healthy Zach Levine, which is something that they expected but never got the reality of. Well, you hear it there, Bulls Nation. <laughs> Still believe in this core because whatever you're doing, they're going to be back most likely. <laughs> they're going to and, try to get booch. Right, and my and my and I guess my response to Bulls Nation when they say you know completely rebuild and get rid of you know and all those type of things, who are you going to get in return for these people? Because the market is kind of is is kind of low for each of these players, um, especially when you talk about trying to get draft capital on top of maybe quality talent that can keep the team afloat, and you don't want to do a full rebuild because they already made it clear we're not trying to do a rebuild. You're trying to retool. So if you were to trade any of those people, what are you gonna get back in return as of right now? Because you missed your chance at the trade deadline, which is probably when they had their highest value. So. Where, what were you going to get to replace them? And at this present moment, you can't tell me you can you can get anyone. You just you can't say that. So because there's no guarantee, you have no choice really but to run it back. And since you're going to run it back, you're now going to have to be forced to make certain changes so that way your decision in running it back makes the most sense. <laughs> it's supported. But if to me, if you if you were to trade Vooch, and you can't get a top center back or top quality picks to go along with quality talent that can play right now because you're in a win now situation. What what are you gonna do to what were you gonna do anyways? Like it just doesn't make sense to me to where the Bulls are in the Bulls are in a weird situation because you're in a win now situation with the talent that the core talent that can help get you there, but the resources around it aren't. And until you fix that problem, I don't know how you can even fix the court. So, I don't know, man. I'm just, 
I'm just here watching the games every day, like everybody else, reporting on just seeing what they see on the outside looking in. What do I know? But uh, yeah, man, I I think this core technically can work, but it's got to be a lot of changes. They got to come to it from the uh, from the other players' perspectives to make this team move forward. Well, you know a lot, Joshua. We got an insider now, so we appreciate <laughs> it. Before we get you out of here, um, can you tell us, are you going to be at Bulls Fest? Are you going to be involved at all? Um, Remains to be seen. Um, But let's put it this way. If I ain't going to be involved in Bulls Fest, you guys will definitely see it on the social media. <laughs> we'll be there <laughs> that works too that works too if i'm there you'll see me there sounds good um and where where can we follow uh can you tell everybody where we can follow you at on social media yeah you can follow me on instagram and twitter at josh m hicks media um you get all my content from there regarding war media and the bigs all right well we appreciate you being on thank you again for coming on appreciate hey. you too. Appreciate the opportunity. And come back anytime you want to. Hey, sounds good to me. All right. Thanks for coming, Joshua. All right. Take care. Yep. And of course, Bulls Fest will be held now. The date is moved to August 19th through 20th. Uh, website updated. So if you went there before, <laughs> it was a week earlier, but it's now going to be August 19th through 20th. Hope to see all you guys there. Justin, you, you coming out to Chicago for the Bulls Fest? Uh, I am definitely going to try to make that happen. Of course, I know. It's like 80%, 80% chance. 80% hey, chance. That's pretty high. Yeah. Pretty good. Those are pretty good odds here. Yeah. Uh, Sounds pretty much like a 80% chance the whole nothing but Bulls case will be there. So, because I know Melissa is, of course, going to be there. And I'm making the flight out. So, yeah, hope to see all the Bulls Nation there. Should be fun. So, yeah, uh, we have no more games to discuss. Season's over. But, you know, it's like basketball. It never stops. So try to hook up with some guests and till then, go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.